Thanks for joining Cornerstone for our message of the week. We hope you'll be inspired and encouraged. To connect with our church family and to watch our services live, download our app today by texting Sparks Will Fly as one word, app to 77977. That's Sparks Will Fly app to 77977 or by visiting us online at sparkswillfly.cc. If you will, um, go to the book of Acts, the 15th chapter. I want to, um, I'm going to try to, to teach more than I preach, but we'll see how that goes. And uh, but I want to go to Acts chapter 15. I want to read this out of the Passion Translation. And um, so I believe I'm right on target. I tried to get Catherine to preach with me today, and she just refused, but now I'm cutting up. She's already has, and uh, so. But the way the 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 way the flow of the service has been today, I believe we're right on t- target. So I wanna, I really want to talk about. Um, actually, um, I was actually just gonna put the table up here and two stools and just really sit down with her up here and just talk about worship. So that's really what I want to talk about this morning. And um, and so I want you to grab the book of Acts, the 15th chapter. Also grab the book of Chronicles, the first, chron- uh, the first Chronicles, uh, chapter 25. And I want to just dive in here and just pull some things out this morning. And really at the end, I want to get to really just on a practical level of some things that I think uh, would help us, okay? And so, Father, we just thank you for this day. We thank you that this is the day that you have made. We thank you, Lord, uh, for those that are gathered in this building. We thank you for those that are watching live stream. Father, we thank you for what you're building in the earth right now. We thank you for what you're building in this region. God, give us eyes to see and give us ears to hear. And let us be builders of what you are doing. We want to see the new things spring up. Come on, somebody. We want to see the rivers arise in the desert places. We want to see the mountains leveled. We want to see the crooked places is made straight. And Father, so we just want to write the vision and make it clear that we may run with it and declare it. And so Father, we thank you what you're building is not just a five-fold movement. There's a saints movement rising up, Father. And Lord, you are preparing us for the work of the ministry. And Lord, we're all called in full-time ministry in this room. And so Lord, we just thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so listen, I want to read something. Actually, Stanton sent me this, and I just forgot about it. And I said, man, what book is that? And um, and so I realized I had read the book, and um, I think I even shared the book with you and Matt. And so, but anyhow, uh, he sent this uh, in a text the other day, and I just want to read uh, what he texted. And so... Um, let's listen to this. This is a... I don't know if you pronounce his name by Bob Sorge or... It is Bob Sorge, okay, but the book he has written called The River. He's written a lot of uh, some great books, but uh, but anyhow, uh, he said, listen to this. He said, the most powerful hindrance to heavenly worship being experienced today is the general passivity of your typical congregation. So listen to this. He said, the mo- the, to him, the most powerful hindrance to heavenly worship being experienced today is the general passivity of your typical congregation. Many believers have never caught a vision for contending for anything more, listen to this, than a paradigm in which the few on the platform, how many knows this is not a cheerleading squad? You with me? We don't talk about this. Listen to this. So, so he says, listen to this. Many believers have never called a vision 
for contending for anything more than a paradigm in which the few on the platform are fully engaged and proactive while the many in the congregation are splayed into a wide spectrum that ranges from zeal to stupor. And let me know this. How many know God can be in the building or God can be in the vicinity of, of, of where we are at and we be totally unaware of that? I've shared with you those, I've shared this on multiple times before, but I'll never forget the time that Catherine's mother, um, when they dedicated their new sanctuary, they wanted Catherine and I to go. And I've grown a lot, and I've still got a long ways to go, but to be honest, I did not want to go to this service because we were having to miss our service, and they did church a whole lot different than the way we did church. So I really didn't want to go. And so we were sitting there, and I think that uh, Grant was little or whatever. He was actually, uh, I was sitting in the balcony, if you will, with Catherine's dad, and um, the, the place was packed or whatever. They were dedicating this new building. And I remember sitting there thinking, man, I wish we was at our church. We'd have been worshiping, you know, or whatever. And I don't know what's going on up in here. They sing music way different than we do. And all of a sudden, uh, in that in that uh, deal, and I had Grant sitting in my lap, and I was just playing with him. And there was a guy stood up in the choir. He's going to be with the Lord now. And he stood up in the choir, and he gave a testimony during that service. And I mean, he was weeping under the power of God. And he said, and he, he stood up, and he said, my God, God is in this place. And he said, God is in it. He said, if he, I, I don't believe God could be any stronger than what it was when Solomon dedicated the temple. And immediately, the conviction power of God came on me because I was looking for a specific style. Come on, somebody. Um, one of my favorite scriptures out of the book of Mark, or even in the book of Luke, on the road to Emmaus, the Bible says that Jesus appeared to them in another form. A lot of times we're looking for what we're accustomed to. Come on, somebody. We see with accents. You see what you already prepared to see in the Bible by your upbringing, by your by the those that have influence in your life. And so the Lord was in that place. And because it was a different style, how many knows that God doesn't move on style? God moves when we engage our heart into what's going on. It is when our heart matches our lips. Come on, Isaiah, Jesus, remember Isaiah prophesied, these people serve me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. So it's not necessarily the song selection that's going to move God as much as it is our hearts engaging in that place of worship. Now, there's been a lot of um, a lot of um, exhortation this morning. One of the things that uh, Catherine talked about, let going the edge. When she talked about that, I knew she was talking about let go of the edge of the deep end of the pool. But what I really felt like in there, some of us need to let go of our edge, our frustrations. Come on. Come on. Our, our edge that we have because God hasn't done this or God hasn't done that. How many knows this? The word of the Lord's going to come to pass in our life if we'll keep contending. Our job is just to remain faithful because he's faithful. Come on, somebody. It's him. He that hath begun a good work in us will complete it unto the day of Jesus. Are you with me now? So I feel like someone, I really feel the Lord on that. Father, I pray that you would forgive me of my frustration. Father, I pray, man, I feel the Lord in this room. God, I pray that you would let us let go of the edge. Our frustrations, Lord, our disappointments, God. Forgive us for harboring those things in our hearts where we think it should have went this way, but it has played out this way. God, help us just to divinely trust you. As Stanton said, help us to trust God. Even when we don't understand, yet we trust you, Lord. Lord. 
Job said, though you slay me, yet will I praise you, God. I may not understand what's happening today. I don't understand why I'm facing this. I don't understand why my children are doing this, but yet I trust you, God. And I ask you to forgive me of my frustrations. Forgive me of my judgmental spirit, God. Forgive me of being pass- a passive and lethargic and, a- and apathetic to the things of you. In Jesus' mighty name. In Jesus' mighty name. And I'm telling you, I'm, I remember the day that Stanton came to my house and, and when he, he asked, could he meet with me? And I was sitting on my back porch like I often do when he rounded the corner. I knew he wasn't bringing me a testimony. I could see it all over his face. And I said, here's now. This is where the rubber meets the road. This is where we stand and believe what we preach. Are you with me now? So, um, so let's, let's look at this. So what is the greatest hindrance? Passive. Being passive. Haphazardly. We just haphazardly come in the house of God. This is something we knock out. I just want to help us this morning because I really believe that the Lord is trying to establish something, okay? How many believe this? That God is really trying to establish something on the earth. I, we have never seen a year like we have seen. My God, man. I mean, look at the things that are shaking on the earth. Now we got dust all the way that's made it across the Gulf from Africa. I mean, who has ever seen some things that we're seeing? God is in the business of doing something on the earth. All right, so let's look at this. All right, so first of all, let me say this. We've got to get a vision to connect this to this. Was that not about the exhortation this morning? Allison's coming up here. She's exhorting us to catch this to this. I've been in services where what happens on the stage never makes it out into the pew. Are you with me now? All right. All right. So let's look at this. Go to Acts chapter 15. Man, we just go home after we repented for that. I feel a whole lot better now. I feel clean before the Lord. You know what I'm saying? Man, man, it's so easy to get cynical, ain't it, sometimes? Just to heck with it. I mean, man, I've believed for, for a long time. And then just start just throwing everything down. God forgive us. All right, let's, look at this. Acts 15, verse 13. When they had finished, Jacob took the floor and said, Ladies and gentlemen, listen. Peter has explained thoroughly that God has determined to win a people for himself. Ain't you glad of this right here? This is happening right now. God is determined to raise up a people for himself. God is in the church trying to find the people within the church. (laughs) I'm not saying he's collecting everybody, but he is collecting somebody. Are you with me? God is still in the business. He is determined to win a people for himself among the non-Jewish nations. So God is in the business. Look at your neighbor and say, he's trying to win a people. He's trying to find a people that just want him. Don't really care about a program. Come on, somebody. Don't really care about if the church is brick, storefront, got carpet, whatever. They just looking for God. Come on now. So God's looking to find a people to win for himself. And after these things, now he's quoting out of the book of Amos. After these things, I'll return to you 
and raise up the tabernacle of David that has fallen what? Into ruin. Look at, look at your neighbor and say, the tabernacle of David was never destroyed. It fell down. It's fallen down. It's, it's, it's lying in ruins. Look at this. But I will restore and rebuild what David experienced. How many wants to experience what David experienced? Notice that he didn't say, I'm just coming to rebuild what David had built. He said, I want to come rebuild what David experienced so that you and I can have the same experience today, what he experienced. Come on now. My God, this is good in the Passion Translation. Passion Translation, but you head but the wall, man. You know what I'm saying? Listen, I will restore and rebuild what David experienced so that all of humanity will be able to encounter the Lord, including the Gentiles whom I have called. This is, my, this is the, what we... This is everything that Catherine and I stand for. What I pray to God is every person that comes and connects to this church, what I want you to is to encounter God. If you encounter Cornerstone, your life may not change. If you encounter John, your life may not change. If you encounter Stanton, your life may not change. But it is impossible for you to encounter Yahweh and your life not change. Come on, somebody. When you encounter Yahweh, you are forever marked and forever changed. You are like, Paul, I am trying to apprehend that that which has apprehended me something has reached through time and grabbed a hold of me from the eternal realm and he spent the rest of his life chasing after that come on somebody so God is saying he wants to rebuild something on the earth that David experienced so that a group of people can have encounters with him what is this is it a flashy church is it smoking lights or is it a realm of heaven invading the earth that he established? So I got looking this thing. I said, man, I've preached a lot on, and I started to set up all kinds, I started to build all kinds of props coming here. You know, I've preached on Psalms 100, how we entered the gates. I've, man, I used to listen to Juanita Bonham's song, uh, Take Me Past the Outer Court. Catherine Mullins redone it, you know what I'm saying? And to the holy place. Past the brazen altar, Lord, I long to see your face. See, there is a veil, friend, I'm trying to tell you. Even though the veil that was in Herod's temple was torn down when Jesus hung on the cross, but yet that veil of unbelief still remains in the church. And so what we're trying to get, the secret place is not some place off in the distance. The secret place is inside of you. The kingdom of God is dwelling in you. We're not trying to get anywhere. We're trying to get out of the flesh into the realm of the spirit where your spirit intertwines with his spirit. Come on, somebody. That's when change happens. Now, let's, let's look at this. So I started looking at David's tabernacle, and I, I was in there, and, and actually Catherine went to study with me yesterday, and so she, had, she was on one couch studying, and I was on the other couch studying. And, and so I began to look at uh, David's tabernacle, and, and so I want to I look at a leader that David had appointed. Actually, he point, appoints three leaders to oversee the function of his tabernacle. He establishes three um, primary leaders and Asaph being his chief musician and chief worship leader. So if he was able to invade heaven and earth and build that tabernacle and God wants to rebuild it, I want to look at the man that David appointed to build what he was saying. So let's go to 1 Chronicles 25. You okay? All right. First Chronicles 25. All right. Moreover, David and the captains of the army separated for the service, 
some of the sons of Asaph, Haman, and Jedithon, who should prophesy with harp, stringed instruments, and cymbals. And the number of the skilled men performing their service was on the sons of Asaph. Man, all these names right here. People say, well, I don't think that's pronounced right. It's probably not. I'm pronouncing this in southern Georgia language, okay? <laughs> I did not make it past the Greek and Hebrew class. I was just trying to learn English. <laughs> Listen to this. And the sons of Asaph were under the direction of Asaph who prophesied according to the order of the king. Oh, my God, there's so much right there that you could just stop right there. See, we got to have songs that come from the king. I, I'm, I'm trying to help us here. Listen here. It's one thing to say at the end, I don't want to talk about you like you're not in this room. But Misty Edwards said that five years ago. We got to have songs directed from the king. And see the thing to where you and I are in this celebrity Christian mentality because Upper Room releases it, we think we got to have it here. Because Bethel plays it, we got to have it here. Actually, you can't play no Bethel music in Kentucky. You go with bluegrass. Come on, y'all. You with me? Huh? I mean, I, mean, I, think, that, I think it's a danger with, with anything of just staying in one vein. You know what I'm saying? I love a little Clint Brown. That's what we cut our teeth on. Kathy and I got married at a Clint Brown crusade called a Judah Music Conference. We love some Clint Brown. But here's the thing. Listen to this. Let me get back in. I'm, I'm going to get... Let me stay right here. Man, I've got some. All right, listen to this. According to the order of the king, of Jedithan, the sons of Jedithan, uh, Jedith, all these dudes right here, let's just keep on of Hammond. Let's go on down. All these were the sons of Hammond, kings, the king's seer in the words of God to exalt his horn, for God gave Herman 14 sons and three dollars. And all these were under the direction of their father for the music in the house of the Lord with cymbals, stringed instruments, harps for the service of the house of God. Asaph, Jonathan, Haman were under the authority of the king. So look at this. So he appointed three men. David had influence into these three men. These three men had influence over the whole team. You with me? All right. And they cast lots for their duty the small as well as the great, the teacher and the student. Look at this. You know, in the Old Testament, they cast lots because this was a sign of not no man choosing them, but they trusted that Yahweh would choose them by the casting of lots. We sing this, remember, when, when Judas uh, uh, went and killed himself in Acts chapter 1. So the casting of lots was, this was being chosen by God. So look at this. When it came to the duties of the worship team, the teacher and the student was all in the same pot, and they cast lots so that no one couldn't have a great job and no one couldn't have a small job. Even the teacher might have been in the most seemingly overqualified for the position he was in, but they trusted Yahweh to put the right person in the right position. You with me? Now, let's look on verse 7. So the number, so the number of them with their brethren who were instructed in the songs of the Lord, all who were, if you own the worship team, you should underline this verse right here, were skillful, was 280, 288. And they cast lots for their duty, the small as well as the great, the teacher and the student. Now, let's, let me get right here, right here. When I looked at this guy, Asaph, 
he, his name means to gather or collect. He has the ability to gather people in the presence of God. Now, I'm preaching very practical here this morning, and probably just I could just preach to the worship team. But the job of the worship team, if we're going to build what David built, we've got to learn to gather. You've got to gather. Listen, and the job of the worship team is as easy to gather those that are burning worship up during the week. Here's the task. You've got to gather the angry. You've got to gather the broken. You've got to gather the lost. And you've got to gather the disengaged. And they all have to come to the river. So that means there's a constant lifting, but a constant reaching out. Our job as a congregation is to open up. Out of your belly shall flow rivers of living water. God is not coming down from the heavens. He's already came down. We don't have to ask the Holy Spirit to come down. He already came down. We don't need another Pentecost. We just need to yield to what has already happened. Come on, somebody. You don't get more of God. You yield your life to what has already been poured out. All right. So we must be able to gather the whole congregation, including the lost, the broken, the lonely, the skeptical, the angry, etc., into the presence of God. We must break down walls. Here's the deal. All of us come from different backgrounds. All of us at different places from the Lord. All of us have went through different things this week, and all of that comes into the building. So when we say that we're asking for breakthrough, we are not trying to bind demons and devils that are hanging over the city. We're asking for breakthrough to break out of your flesh into the realm of the Spirit. We're asking you to drop off depression like he said and pick up the oil of gladness. It is a choice friend. It is a choice. Bartimaeus when he went to see the Lord when he cried out thou son of David have mercy on me. The Bible says he got up laying the beggar cloak aside approached Jesus. Come on friend. What was he making? I'll make a choice right now by faith. If I can get to the son of David I will never be blind again. That is the choice we make in worship. Man I'm hollering. It is a choice. I may come in heavy, but it is a choice. Friend, are you with me now? I have to make a choice. I know this week has been tough. Come on, somebody. I know it's been hard. But Father, you are worthy. And when we talk about the sacrifice, when I was raised, when I used to hear about the sacrifice of praise, we don't give God a sacrifice of praise. I thought that was when you didn't feel good. You know, you Lord, I just, I'm going to give you a sacrifice. That is not the sacrifice. The sacrifice was the very best that you had. It was not lame. There was nothing wrong with it. Are you with me now? It was out spot, it was without spot, wrinkle, or blemish. That's why Jesus became the sacrificial lamb. It was perfect. The sacrifice is the best you have. It is a choice. Look at your neighbor and say, it's a choice. Now, go with me to 2 Chronicles chapter 29. So, first of all, his worship leader. And his team had the ability to what? Gather. Other words, we're trying to learn. And here's the thing about here. We don't have the privilege of, I was sitting there this morning. Six of our team members are 19 and younger. Hello. Did you realize that this morning? On the stage at this church, six of your team members on the worship team are 19 years and younger. 
Out of the mouth of babes and sucklings, thou hast ordained strength and praise, Psalms 8 and 2. But here's another thing. It's going to take time to develop skill with the younger ones. And Emma's still training over there. One arm Emma. He trained all he could train. <laughs> I'm going to get into that in a minute. Are you with me now? Listen to this. Where am I at? What did I say? Second Chronicles 20, what? 29. I sent Matt a verse of scripture yesterday. He said, what translation is that? And I realized I had him 100 verses off. No wonder. He was, he was burning up. <laughs> Listen, this is, back to, this is back to David's house, okay? This is the tabernacle of David. Look what he says. And he stationed the Levites in the house of the Lord with cymbals and with stringed instruments and with harps according to the commandment of David, of Gad the king's seer, and of Nathan the prophet. For thus, for thus was the commandment of the Lord by his prophets. This verse confirms to us that Israel was established by prophetic, by, by the prophets. Not only was the worship established by prophets, but also prophets were the worship leaders. So by nature, David's Davidic house is a prophetic worshiping house. Y'all right? You with me? So it is prophetic worship. So in other words, it is an environment where the new song of the Lord can arise. Okay? I'm going to show us some prophetic worship in just a second. Um, look at this. In, well, I just read it right here, but 1 Chronicles 25, go back. 1 Chronicles 25. Look at verse 2. Down around uh, part B of the verse. Under the direction of Asaph, who prophesied according to the order of the king. So this, this, the nature of this worship was not just rehearsed songs, although they had rehearsed songs. Are you with me? I, I've had the privilege of being around the block, and I get the privilege of traveling some, and I've preached in a lot of churches. Now, there's some churches that you go to that they're just going to sing the song, right? If the song has two choruses in it, they sing the two choruses, right, Matt? And then when that song is done, it's done. Then boom, go to the next song. Then go to the next song, boom. And you, and you go to some churches, they got two fast ones real quick, then somebody comes up and gives an announcement or takes up prayer requests, you with me? Then they're going to go into the, the, the uh, slow songs. And then at the end, I, I grew up in church where they sang specials. <laughs> Lord Jesus. Hey, hey. And, and when they started singing a special, talking about church, pray for us. That meant it's horrible. Where the church was praying. You know what I'm saying? Get off the stage. God, give them a revelation. I called to this. Listen. <laughs> I'm cutting a man, this is bad. That's why I'm a great worship leader in the shower. All right, listen. This is prophetic in nature. So Psalms 96.1 says, sing unto the Lord a new song. Sing unto the, what is a new song? It is something that is arising in that atmosphere that God is trying to release over the people. A lot of times in the Old Testament, prophecy would come forth in the song. 
The most prophetic book, I sent this to them yesterday, the most prophetic book in the Bible is the book of Psalms. There is more scripture quoted in the New Testament out of the book of Psalms than any other book in the Bible. And these Psalms are songs that are being sung over a people. Come on, somebody. So when we start singing, come on, about dancing in the rain, or we start singing about healing, that is God prophesying over us in song. I want to heal some folk up in here this morning. And what we've got to do is get this old mindset where we got to have the elders of the church to come down here and lay hands on us to get something from God. When you are in the presence of God, in thy presence there is fullness. Everything you need is in the presence of God. You don't need an elder. You don't need a five-fold prophet. Come on, somebody. You got Yahweh in front of you, and you can reach out by faith and grab what you need in that moment. Man, come on. I believe there's more healing going to take place in worship. Come on, somebody. And deliverance take place in worship. And salvations take place in worship. Then man can't get the credit. God just did it in the building. This is where we're at. But we've become so accustomed to a certain style or the way things are going to play out. And still letting just the Lord move. Now. Let's, let's keep traveling. So sing a new song unto the Lord. Other words, this is a song that is arising right now. This is not a ballad that's recorded. This is not someone else's expression of worship. This is happening here right now. Just like the song, this is how I fight my battles. Matt, that song did not come out of somebody's prayer room and they got it and pinned it out and then went and recorded it. That came out of a live setting. Rick Pino, show us, show us your glory. That came out of the live setting. And they just begin to sing this spontaneous unto the Lord. Matter of fact, this is how I fight my battles. I remember someone sharing this saying that they went to go back and add to that song. And every time they went to add to it, they could not feel right about adding anything to it. So they just left it the way it is. Come on, y'all. This is what I'm saying. We have got to let these songs come from us. They're inside of you. They're not just in Matt and Hannah or Bethany. These are songs that have got to rise from the congregation. This is about a people that are gathering together to yield the reins to the Holy Ghost and say, God, do what you want to do. Sing what you want to sing over us. And we as a people embrace that. All right. All right. And it's not just happening in, in, in the song. Sometimes to get breakthrough, you take like Catherine. She grabs the flag and begins to wave it. You know what I'm saying? All of those colors mean something. Friend, come on, somebody. When she's waving that flag, he is Jehovah Nissi. That's one of his names. The Lord God, our banner over us. Come on, somebody. And with the waving of the flag, she's declaring Jehovah Nissi over our life. Come on, somebody. She's declaring Zephaniah chapter 3, verse 17, where it says, the Lord God danced. Come on, somebody. He is rejoicing and dancing over you this morning. God is excited about us. All right. Look at 2 Kings chapter 3. Man, I got to go to Rome. Second Kings chapter 3.
So he had the ability to gather, right? This is his team. He had people that had the ability to gather the folks. Your job is to gather the people. Your job is to gather the people. You've done worshiped all that privately long before you arrived here. You with me? Let me ask you this. If I called you tomorrow and I said, Hunter, tomorrow you will go meet the king. How would you? Would you have woke up and just half took a shower? But let me tell you something. I approach it to the house of God. Every Sunday should be we're going to meet the king. I can't get no help up in here. Huh? Who did you? Remember, Jesus said, who did you come out to see? Well, if you come out to see me, you didn't have to prepare much. But if you came to see the king, I remember this guy, I had the privilege of meeting him one time. He was a powerful evangelist. I'd never seen nobody preach like this. You think I'm wild? This man was wild. He did um, like um, kickboxing and stuff on the stage. I thought he, I seen him one night run up on the stage, worship leader up there singing, and he was whatever you call them, head kicks or whatever, slinging his feet up like this. I thought he was going to kill him. He preaches, he preaches so hard that when he prays for people, he puts like a, like a ski suit over his, over his shirt and all. I mean, this man, I mean, he outsweat T.D. Jakes. You've done something. He's on live television. And his interview went over. They extended the broadcast. He looked at the watch. And he told the guy, he said, this interview's over. And the guy said, what are you talking about? He said, man, we're on live television. He said, you don't understand. I got an appointment with the king at 4 o'clock, and I'm never late. We came to meet the king. Come on, y'all. What I'm saying, I'm not, I'm not talking about all we got to get back in suits and stuff. You know what I'm saying? Although the ones that you read about in like, like uh, even like Smith Wigglesworth and different ones like that, they would not even prophesy the word of God unless they were in a suit. They would run and change out of their clothing to put a suit on because they came to represent the king to deliver the word of the Lord. I'm just telling you we got to have a mind a mind change of our approach to the king. I'm not talking about going around in suits and stuff, okay? God can still use you in your PJs. Oh, let me, let me. 2 Kings 3.15, you all right? We got just a little bit. Look at this. But now bring me a musician. Then it happened when the musician played that the hand of the Lord came upon him. This is why sometimes, a lot of times, I have Alimite to keep playing because it helps the word of the Lord go forth. When the minstrel played, what happened? The hand of God was released. Listen, if we actually believe this, if you actually believe the hand of God was released into this building through the minstrel's playing, come on somebody, that means healing was available to you. That means prosperity was available to you. That means deliverance was available because why? The hand of God was released into this place when the minstrel began to play. David understood this. This is why he wanted the minstrel playing 24-7. Why? Because he wanted the hand of God at work in the nation of Israel. Y'all right? Now, 1 Samuel 10. We're just tracking through some scripture here. 1 Samuel 10. 
Verse 6, I've preached out of this a ton. Let's look at verse 5. He says, let, let's set this whole story up. Verse 1, then Samuel took a flask of oil and poured it on his head and kissed him and said, is it not because the Lord has anointed you commander over, the, over his inheritance? When you have departed from me today, you will find two men by Rachel's tomb in the territory of Benjamin. And, and, and they will say to you, the donkeys which you went to look for have been found, and now your father has ceased caring about the donkeys and is worried about you, saying, what shall I do about my son? Then you shall go on forward from there and come to the Terabith uh, tree of Tabar, and there three men going up to God at Bethel, Man, see, even back then they was going to Pastor Bill Johnson's church. <laughs> They're going to Bethel. <laughs> we will meet you. <laughs> to God at Bethel will meet, meet you, one carrying three young goats and, a, and another carrying uh, three loaves of bread and another carrying a skin of wine. And they will greet you and give you two loaves of bread which you shall receive from their hands. After you shall come to the hill of God where the Philistine garrison is, and it will happen when you have come there to the city, you will meet a group of prophets coming down from the high place with stringed instruments. Look at this. He's fixing to run into a worship band. Come on, y'all. We, we read this. I used to read this and think, hey, he's, he's meeting a group, of, a group of prophets that are... Stoic just going to approach the hill of God. That is not what is happening here. They are worshiping God as they're going. They're playing. Somebody's got a guitar around them. I mean, they're going after the Lord in worship. Now look what happens. He says they're going to have stringed instruments, a tambourine, a flute, and a harp before them, and they will be what? Prophesying. Go to verse 6. Then the Spirit of the Lord will come on you and you will prophesy with them and be turned into another man. This is what I'm after during prophetic worship. You being in the service, come into contact with that, that company of people and you will get turned into somebody else. That tells me in the prophetic worship that gifts, callings, and destinies start awakening in that atmosphere. My God, there's something happens. Your baby begins to leap because Mary has came in with the and to salute you to tell you of the encounter she has, and she starts prophesying about how Gabriel has visited her and, and overshadowed her and favored her, and she's a pregnant with Emmanuel, and John the Baptist leaps inside of Elizabeth's womb. This is the company of the prophetic worship. Things start unlocking in people. Man, you never know what you got on the inside of you till it becomes unlocked. Hey, take the video that I gave you, uh, John, and show this. All right, let's look at this. Obviously, we're diving into this worship service here. This is not how they started out. This is on in as a progression into this worship service. That we can muster up for you. That will sustain us until you come. That will sustain. Hold it. Hold it. Pause it. Trials that will sustain us through the loss of love. Look at this. So this group of people is engaged. They're not in South Georgia. <laughs> Listen, it's just where God called us. I was I was listening, um, having a conversation, and they was telling me about a guy that's got a national platform moved to South Georgia. 
He's already got his house up on the market. When I read about John Wesley, John Wesley actually come through uh, Brunswick and he actually come to Savannah and he left out of Georgia trying to plan a work here in Georgia. He left out and went back to England. That's where he met the Moravians on that boat on the way back to change his life. So it gives me faith that even John Wesley struggled in the state of Georgia. You with me? But I, but I keep, when I go in the secret place, I just say, Georgia. Georgia's on his mind. Georgia's on his mind, and he's trying to build something in this state, friend. And like Trenton said, when he prays, he says, why not us? Why not now? Why not you being a part of this company of people? So, so this leader is standing up. Michael Miller's addressing his congregation, and he's talking about the fire of God. He's talking about the fire of God. Now, this team is behind him. There's no doubt that this team has a play set, has a playlist, right? There's not a pilot going to board. You will not get on Delta up there in Atlanta and get up on that plane. And he said, well, I just walked in here. I don't know what's going on. No, he's already, he's, he's got everything factored in in that flight that could possibly happen. He knows the weather patterns, the wind, everything. I believe that should be every worship leader when they, they take on the stage. Are you with me now? But how many knows this? When God shows up or when God speaks, what you had on the paper fades away at that moment. So now God is speaking. This is how David would do. The, the Bible says that David would release the word of the Lord or he would transcribe the word of the Lord and he would deliver that word unto Asaph. Why did he give the word of God that he received in prayer? Why did he deliver that over to Asaph? Because he wanted Asaph to turn around and translate that into song to sing over the people to declare what God is saying. So what? Let's roll it. She's talking about the fire of God. Turn it up. God, we need your fire. In these days when the love of many have grown cold, we need your fire. God, we cannot, in, there's no amount of passion that we can muster up for you that will sustain us until you come, that will sustain us through trials, that will sustain us through the loss of loved ones or cancer or God. The things that are coming our way towards the church, God, we, it's not our passion. We need your holy fire. We need a fire that is pure from heaven. In Jesus, you are the great baptizer of fire. Oh, we need your baptism of fire. Come on. Just open up. I, I, he's just going to baptize you with himself. He's going to baptize you with himself. He's like, just come into me. Oh, he is fire. He's saying, just come in. He's literally baptizing you with fire right now. See these people in this congregation, now they're engaging. What are they saying? They're, they're from, their, from their place, God, I want you to fill me with your fire. God, I pray this is the word of the Lord going forth from the stage now. God, I pray you fill me with your fire. Father, I want to burn for you, God. I want this is this is how your Father, you said that John was a burning and a shining lamp, and we beheld his glory for a season. God, I make me like John. Make me a burning and a shining lamp in this season. Father, you said in your word that you are a consuming fire. Hebrews 12, 29. God, consume me with your fire. Now listen to this team. They have picked up the word of the Lord. Now they're beginning to declare that over the people. They're beginning to read, my God, I feel the Lord in here. They're reiterating what God is saying in that room. Come burn us up, God. Come, come. This is made up right here instantly. This is the new song of the Lord. This is the prophetic worship going forth right now over that congregation. That we don't have this.
this in the South, friend. This is why I'm preaching it. I know we don't. We are touching on it a little bit. But God is wanting to breathe fresh breath into this region, into us as a people. I'm telling you, I had an encounter with the Lord Monday night where the prophet was breathing into my lungs and I was floating in the air. God is wanting to breathe on us in this place. Stop it right there. Drag it to about 1850. Now listen to this. In this, in, in the area of worship, not only can humans prophesy, you just stretch your faith out here, but those instruments can prophesy on their own. I ain't got time to go through the whole book Chronicles with us here this morning, but listen to me. The instruments can begin to prophesy. There's a meeting which was... There's a meeting, I'm sorry, see my face look like a line right there. All right, Lord, calm me down, Jesus. All right, there's a meeting that John, John Wimber was leading. Power of God, all in that room. If you, if you go back to John Wimber, John Wimber wore the Bermuda shirt, khakis. He would say, Holy Ghost, come, and the power of God would just fill the place. Healings, miracles, or whatever. Anyhow, he was in a meeting one night. And the power of God fell. And some people on the stage were slain in the Spirit of God. The, the guitarist actually went against the wall and was on the stool and had his hands out. Completely slain under the power of God. And the guitar never stopped playing on his chest. I mean, it was still just going through the licks. That's the angel of God in that room, friend. I'm telling you, I feel the Lord in this room. I'm telling you right now. That was the angel of God in that room prophesying over that group of people in there. So here's the deal. How does these instruments, I'm, this is just one of the clips that I chose that I'm going to show you. Go to by 1850. We can drag it over there. Started around 1850. Watch this. Nothing's being said in this room. Now the vocals are dropped out. Now the drums. These cymbals are starting to declare something in this room. Are y'all with me now? Huh? Come on. How many wants to build this right? This is what I'm after. If you don't care about building this, this is not your church. This is what I'm after. Come on. Nobody's looking at a watch saying, are we going to get out of here? Nobody cares if it's 12 o'clock, if it's 1 o'clock, if it's 2 o'clock. They are captivated by the King of Kings, and they're not leaving that place till God begins to change their life. I long for the day that we linger in the house of God like Zacharias till we hear something from him. Look at this people. Let me show you right here. This is where it's at. This is where you start partnering with heaven. Come on, somebody. We are kings and priests. We worship our God, but we are kings to declare things on the earth. This is where I begin to partner with heaven and say on earth as it is in heaven, God establish the fire of God in my region. God move in my city. God begin to bless the civil leaders in my... God raise up business leaders. God move in our lives, move in our families. This is where you begin to pull heaven and you begin to bring it to earth. Come on, somebody. This is our role. Stop it. Look at this. I got to show you this verse of scripture. Psalms 49. Look at this verse of scripture in Psalms 49. Y'all right? 
Psalms 49. I wrote it down. Verse 4. I will incline my ear to a proverb. I will disclose my dark saying on the harp. Where is he going? Where is he disclosing that? Where is he hiding the dark saying? On what? On those instruments. In this moment, God is hiding a riddle, a proverb, and a prophecy in these instruments. Oh my God. In this moment, God is hiding a riddle, a puzzle, a proverb, which is what the dark saying means. It's a riddle, it's a proverb, it's a puzzle, it's prophetic, it's an utterance that can only be come from heaven, and he's hiding it right now in the heart. So listen to this. How many loves the prophetic utterance of God? How many loves to walk in revelation? Listen to this. The level of worship will determine the level of utterance. Someone said, well, I just don't hear from God like you. That's because you don't worship. Oh, my God. You don't worship. Come on, somebody. And I'm just being honest. I'm not here to beat us up. I'm here to just, I'm, just, I just, I'm not here to do anything, okay, but to try to preach us the truth, okay, and to, hear, to deliver to you what I feel like God is saying to us. You with me now? So the reason why we struggle and we have to have a pep rally is because we don't live in this place. We visit it, but we don't live. God is not looking for a visitor. Come on, y'all. There's a clip that I used to live, one of my favorite clips by Damon, called um, where he talks about the enemy roaming around as a roaring lion. Um, it's about 10 minutes. Yeah, entangled. Paul talks about don't entangle ourselves with the affairs of this life. Come on, somebody. You got to find out what you want to be, man. Are you with me now? Do you want to be the bride that is madly in love with him, or do you want to be the Sunday churchgoer? Come on now. Our lives are evident. We don't have, you don't have to tell me where you live at. Your life is evidence right now where you are living at. How much freedom do you walk in in your life? That is evidence where you live. Because those that are live in the presence of God, there is freedom. When your address, come on somebody, is in the presence, there's freedom in our lives. All right. Because your neighbor say he's calmed down. So the level of revelation in an assembly will be proportionate to the level of worship. So when you and I leave the banks of safety and get into the deep end, the dark sayings start being released into that place. My God, I want to know a dark saying. Let me show you how valuable the dark sayings are. In business, the dark sayings are this, having a dream of seven fat cows and seven skinny cows. Come on, y'all. I believe that God wants to give an increase of dreams like never before to a people. But what you've got to understand, God doesn't waste stuff, friend. Are you with me now? He does not give stuff to the... To, he doesn't give... If you are lethargic, apathetic, non-hungry, you don't hear nothing. Oh, look at your neighbor. Say, he's calming down. He's calming down. Oh, listen, I'm going to be done. There's no way I can finish all this. But let, let, me, just, let me just cut and dice the rest of this, okay? Asaph did not play the guitar, and he didn't play the keys. He played the cymbals. And if you study, matter of fact, most of the instruments they played in the tabernacle was constructed by David himself. 
Man, look at how his hands was all over this thing right here. Man, when I got back in there and began to die, he was constructing the instruments himself. Now, the cymbals is not like those laying right there that he played. It was these that clashed together. Could you imagine if that's all we had as our worship, the clashing cymbal? We'd have three people in here, and that'd be <laughs> no four, because Grant probably wouldn't even show up because he can drive. He can go somewhere else. I'd have Catherine and two boys. But we would be doing it the best we could. But notice this, that the cymbals, although they sound not great on their own, they complement everything else that's going on in the room. Which shows me that Asaph had this understanding of harmony and unity. He knew when to clang it and when not to. He also knew, he also, I believe from that, out of what Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 13, if we don't walk in love, that we are a sound of a clinging symbol. He was no sound of a clinging symbol. He complimented everything else that was going on in the room. Now, let me tell you something. If the law, if, if the enemy can hijack anything, he will hijack the worship team. Um, kick. Y'all going to give me some borrowed time? We ain't got really nowhere to go. I think they've even closed restaurants back down. So if you ain't got nothing cooked, you just fasting, okay? And I guess we fasted. Y'all right? I mean, I'm just not done, okay? I, I got to deliver this today, okay? Y'all right? All right. I came to preach, glory to God. I mean, Psalm 73. I, got, I, I want you to look at this because I'm telling you that I, I believe this is, this is crucial. Now, Asaph wrote Psalms 50 and Psalm 73 through 83. So think about this. This guy that we ain't really heard nothing of wrote more than what Peter did, more than what Titus did. Are you with me now? So uh, other than David, he is, the, he is the other recorder of the book of Psalms. Now in Psalm 73, he begins, if you will, show his humanity and this thing bleeds out of him that I caught a glimpse of over this week. That, that I think is if anything could happen or anything that causes disunity or the number one tool of the enemy, he's going to use this. And Asaph tells the story of this. In Psalm 73, listen to this. No one can deny it. God is really good to Israel. No one can deny it. God is really good to us here at Spark. No one can deny it. God is really good to us here at Cornerstone. All right, listen to this. Right here, I'm reading out the Passion Translation. And to all those with pure hearts, look at this. But I nearly miss seeing it for myself. Look how easy it is to miss it. Come on, y'all. But he said, I nearly missed it for myself. Here's my story. I nearly missed losing it all. I was stumbling over what I saw with the wicked. For when I saw the boasters of such wealth and prosperity, I became what? I became what? I became what? Jealous. The New King James renders that envious. These two hijacked the unity in a congregation. Jealousy... And envy, all those same, envy is the secret pain you feel at your brother's success. 
We all deal with it. Let me just say this in the mic. I have dealt with it more in 2020 than I have dealt with it the last decade of my life. Envy must be slain on the altar. Come on, somebody. And it's not the pastor to do it for you. It's you yourself laying in the presence of God saying, God, break this off of my life. Now, with any team, whether whatever, and we struggle with this. We struggle this with our kids when they play baseball, when they play football. You hear this in the stands. The coach is the dumbest person I've, I've ever seen. Little Johnny's the best shortstop that this town has seen in the last 22 years. Even though little Johnny can't field a, Vel- a, a tennis ball with Velcro gloves, he's the best shortstop. Come on, somebody. That is envy and jealousy rising up in our hearts, and it is not the kingdom of God. Come on, somebody. And let's be honest here. James writes in his book, and he said, where that is, envy, jealousy, self-ambition, he said, every evil thing is, it is it is demonic, earthly, and sensual. He said, be not fooled. This wisdom does not descend from above. So the worship team, I'm telling you, in my experience of ministry, outside of ministers, the worship team is the number one place this shows up. Well, why is Allie Mack playing more than me? Maybe here's the truth. Man, I, I don't. We won't use that. The reason why Emma's playing the guitar and you're not is he's more skillful than you. Okay? You work on your skill set. I, I cannot believe he told her that. What would you rather me hug her and say, we're going to get you in there? Let me tell you something. I do not believe David handled the worship team like that. I believe he told Asaph, listen here. That brother's done missed it seven times. I wrote the word plain. Move him. Now, here's what we all got to understand. How many knows the book of Proverbs? I'm almost done. I know know I'm long-winded a little bit. I'm going to be done. I'm going to land in the plane, okay? Put your seatbelt on. God help us right here. You remember the movie Toy Story? Huh? Toy Story 2. The big Zag, Steve. You can come watch it with me this afternoon. Toy Story 2, it opens up with this. What happened? In Toy Story 1, Andy played with a guy named Woody, the sheriff. But in the two, in in number two, what happened? Buzz Lightyear shows up. And Buzz is cool. He got lasers. He can fly. He's got muscles. I mean, Woody's just a little dainty thing. You know what I'm saying? And then it starts playing this clip. Strange things are happening to me. How many of you ever felt the strange thing happen to you? Your friend that you love, now you're looking with skewed vision. Come on, somebody. And the only thing that changed, it wasn't nothing, it not, no anointing changed in the eyes of God. What happened is jealousy entered your heart. Man, I'm talking something right here. It was David who was celebrated by young by, by Saul. David was the man. My God, he defeated Goliath for. But it was on the short trip back to the palace that the women began to sing their song. David has slain his 10,000, but Saul only slain the 1,000. And the scripture says he began to eye David from that day forward. That word eyed mean he began to look at him with suspicion. What changed? Jealousy got into his heart. Come on. 
And what we must say is, listen, not everybody's going to have it every Sunday. Matt will not have it every Sunday. Sometimes Bethany's got it every Sunday. Listen here, we have to have the grace if we're going to raise what I'm talking about, raise up. We got to be able to look at each other and say, listen here, your voice is not where, is, is not where it's at. It, it, is not, it is not where it needs to be. We cannot put you on the album right now because it sounds like chalk running down the board. Oh, my God. I'm people. But what we can do is develop that in the small gathering. Come on, somebody. If you want to write a book, don't try to tackle a whole book. Start a blog. When I first started writing, me and Catherine would fight like, t- I mean, I'm just being honest with you. Lord, might as well confess it all, okay? I would be fighting mad going there. You don't take what God said and take it out of it. She's like, listen here. You, I can't put this out before the public. public. It don't even make sense. You know what I'm saying? I got like, I finally just learned how to do paragraphs. It's bad. But what gives me hope is Chris Valentin is a writer. And he said he types with him. That's why he releases one every three years. <laughs> oh, I gotta, come on, Adam, help me close this out. I'm going to have to bring this down with some extreme grace here. Go, go hit hard. <laughs> People go, losers. Are you with me? Listen to this. I said this. Back, on, back, back here. David said he chose skillful musicians. Everybody that touches an instrument, you should be spending hours upon that in your personal time. My family will tell you, you very seldom come in my house that you don't see me in a book. Is that correct, Grant? Because I want to be skillful at my trade. Steve has to go get updated. And Jesse has to go get updated on building codes all the time. Why? Because they don't want to build something in the wrong codes that was right for one season that has changed in the next season. Church, and what we're doing, if we don't update the worship, if we don't change the way we worship God, I'm trying to tell you we're going to be left in the dust in this region. Does anybody believe what I'm telling you? Terry, that's why you call me all the time about business and you tell me this is what I'm reading about business. Why? Because you don't want your business left in the dust. Man, I feel the Lord in this room. What he's saying is, listen, this, I may fail, but I refuse. I refuse to live in the past. I'm going to reach out the window striving for the future. David had that relationship with these three men. There's times, Matt will tell you, I've talked to him and I know I sound hard. Catherine says sometimes that's why God didn't give us girls. You would have broke them. You know what I'm saying? But, but he knows at the end of the day, I'm only trying to say, I don't want you left behind. Do this. We cannot break, we cannot worship God the way Matt Thomas led worship here. That's not to say anything against Matt Thomas. It's just, listen, that was a decade ago, friend. When are we going to change? What does it matter if I preach 30 minutes, five minutes? Probably never going to happen, but it could. I'm just telling you, I know that I know beyond a shadow of a doubt that I've heard from the Lord. And God said, I want a new expression to come from this house. This is the frustration. 
I think the frustration we're feeling in the realm of the spirit is trying to hold the past. I'm gonna just close with this. Because I'm not done. Let me finish with this right here. Notice what he says, I became jealous. But look what he says in verse 17. But one day I was brought into the sanctuaries of God, into the light of his glory. In my distorted, in my distorted perspective, vanished away. Every time we get into the presence of God, Stanton, the distorted perspective begins to vanish away and we see clearly. We begin to see ourselves as we really are. When I go into the prayer closet and I pray, God, I pray you deal with that joker. If you don't deal with him, I'm going to get him, God. It's when the breaker comes and breaks me down and I begin to see the real issues in my own heart. It ain't nowhere out there. It's in me. So Monday night, we were coming from a meeting. Catherine wrote with me. And we just begin to talk. We were talking about we were talking about life. We were talking about the future. What we built, just everything. And so I stayed up late that night just reading. And I have this dream. In the dream, I knew it was 10 p.m. It was 10 o'clock here. It was like I had just left this place. And I don't know, in the dream, I thought maybe, maybe this wasn't right. I, I don't know. But I, I felt like I was discouraged or something. But instantly, when I stepped out of here, I was standing in Redding, California. And I knew that it was 7 p.m. there. And I said, I forget that you're three hours behind me. And I was in Chris Valentin's office. And he looked at me. And the first thing is he said, he said, I have read the word of God so much it is ingrained in me. And he said, I want you to come here. And he had a big couch in his office. And he said, I want to read the word of God to you. And he said, I want to read the chapter. This is your chapter. It's written about you. And I said, so I got there and like Asher will, he'll sometimes climb up in my lap and you know how like a father will hold a child and the book's held in front of the child and the arms are around him. That's the way it was in the dream. And I said, what is my chapter? He said, your chapter is Isaiah 49. And then the dream shifted and I was laying on the ground in his office and he began to breathe. And as he began to breathe, I had awareness of what was on me, but I knew I was in the deep realms of the glory of God. Then he looked at me again and he began to breathe. And my right leg began to come up in the air and begin to float. And then, there's some other stuff in the dream. I'm just going to keep it right there. But think about this. With the pandemic facing our nation, what is the main symptoms of the coronavirus? To tax your breath. Come on, y'all. Then the nation's in protest with what? I can't breathe. I can't breathe. 
And what's wrong with the church is we do not have breath. We do not have the Ruach, the breath of God. Come on, y'all. Chris then goes through my briefcase. Those that know me, I have a green Filson briefcase. And he was going through my briefcase and I was thinking, oh God, he's fixing to read my writings. Oh Lord. But I felt like God was speaking to me in that dream. Do not despise what I tell you to write down. Come on. And those that know, I, I, I have... I have two pins in that briefcase. One is a gold Mont Blanc, and the other one is a, from the chair of, of the Welsh Revival. Stanton has that other pin. And I actually gave that my, my pin away that I had because I, I, I don't know, there was only 70 of them made. And it's from the Welsh Revival and whatever. And the company that builds that pin says, holding history while writing the future, right? But I, I felt like the Lord told me that I was to give mine to someone, and I did. And so he, in the dream, a business card floats up. And on the back of the business card was a name. I knew the name. On the front of the business card, I didn't recognize what it was. And then he goes to my briefcase, and he pulls out that relic pen from the Joshua Brothers who helped shape Evan Roberts. And the pen's built out of the chair that they sat in in the desk at the Welsh Revival. And he looks at me and he says, you don't gotta, he said, he said, you don't need the past. Build the future. Church, I'm telling you, this is what our call is in this city, to build the future. I can't. To build the future of worship. To build the future of teaching. To build the future of kids' ministry. Not to look to a model, but to become the model. I feel the Lord all over. Does anybody feel that in this room? To build businesses that are on a kingdom mind, a kingdom model. I'm telling you. So what does Isaiah 49 say? So listen to this. I'm dreaming this dream. And the power of God is so strong in our room that Catherine wakes me out of the sleep. And she wakes me out of, she never does this. She hit me and wakes me up. And she said, get some water. I'm, I'm, I'm thirsty. And she said, the power of God's in this room. And I said, well, I just had a dream. So I go in, the, I go in there and I fix her some water. Using me like a servant or something. Not listen. It pays great dividends. Hello, Salah. <laughs> Listen, I better quit. Calm down, Lord Jesus. Let me get standing right here in the presence. Get sidetracked, Stan. <laughs> so I pull some, I got some, whatever, some bills or what, I can't remember. I just grabbed some stuff off out of the bill area right there. And I begin to scratch this dream out on the paper. So I'm like, God, our conversation was like this, man, if we just wasted our time, man, I mean, whatever, I, I don't know. What, what's going on? So I open up Isaiah 49, and I begin to read it. He says, listen to what I have to say. Pay attention to me, you who live in the distant lands, not in Reading, I'm not in Hamilton. I'm not in Kansas City. 
not in Dallas, Fort Worth area. Listen to me who lives in the distant land. Yahweh called me as his own before I was born and named me while I was still in my mother's womb. He gives me words that pierce and penetrate. He hid me and protected me in the shadow of his hand. He prepared me like a polished arrow and concealed me in his quiver. And he said to me, John, you are my special servant. In you, I will be glorified. I said, I've worked and served for nothing. I've used up all my strength for nothing. Yet my rights, I I leave in Yahweh's hands. And my just reward is with my God. And now the Lord Yahweh who shaped me into the womb to be his servant, to bring Jacob's tribes back to him, that Israel would be gathered back to himself. For I'm honored in the sight of Yahweh. And I found the source of all my strength in, in my God who says, is it too small a thing for you, my servant, to restore greatness to Jacob's tribes and to the survivors of Israel. I will make you to be a light to the nations and bring the light of my salvation to the ends of the earth. Yahweh's Israel's kinsman, redeemer, and holy one says the one who is deeply despised and reports by and reports by rulers and the slaves of the ruling class. Kings will see and stand up in respect. Princes will bow down to honor the faithfulness of Yahweh, the Holy One of Israel, who has chosen you. Yahweh says, when the time of showing you favor has come, I will answer your heart's cry. Come on, Cornerstone, this is you. I will help you in the day of salvation. I have fixed my eyes on you. I have made you a covenant people to restore the land. Come on, this is you. Come on, church, and to resettle families on forgotten inheritances. My God, people have walked away, said, I'll never have it, but I'm here to say today. Come on, somebody. You go walk in everything God said you was ever going to have. I know it's been tough. I know it's been hard, Larry. But God ain't forgot you. Every word he's ever said, church, he's going to bring it to pass. This was God saying to me, this is our chapter. My God, I've made you a covenant people to restore the land, to resettle families on the forgotten inheritance. You will declare to prisoners, you're free. And to those in darkness, step out into the light. They will be like sheep that gaze beside the roads and find pastures on the barren hillside. They will never be hungry or thirsty. Neither scorching sun nor desert will hurt them. For he, the loving one, will guide them and lead them to the restful, renewing streams of water. The whole chapter's bad to them all. Can you believe that? How many knows we serve a good God? We fish and get out of here. I want the worship team. You come down front. That's yours. I just took it in Jesus' name. Asher, he claimed it. Church, will you stand up and honor them as they come? Come on, give it up for them. Now I want you to stretch your hands. We're going to simply ask 
for the prophetic mantle of heaven. I believe it was no coincidence that I was in the office of the prophet, office of the prophet on Monday night when I had the dream. And the breath of God came. I, I look, there's a book called Understanding Your Dreams Now by Doug Addison. If you don't have it, if you're a dreamer, you need to get it. I go to that book every week because I dream every single night. But in, the, in Doug Addison's book, he said the right leg, anytime you dream about the leg or whatever, it's daily walk of life, but the right leg is about advancement. So I declare over you, there's a prophetic anointing coming for advancement. Advancement in the realm of the Spirit to write. To write. The freedom to be authentic. Matt, the Lord's not forgot you. Me and you struggle so bad with low self-esteem, feeling unworthy, all of those things. He's not forgot you. That's just as much to me, to you as it is me. Yahweh has not forgotten you. He sees where you're at. I'm telling you as your dad in the Lord, develop, develop, stay in the dark room. That's where the pictures are developed. That's where babies are formed in the darkness of the womb. God knows right where you're at. And when he gets time to show favor, he's going to show favor. And when he shows favor, he shows out. And I'm telling you, you are not going to be, you're not going to be left behind. And I just declare right now just the fresh rain of heaven over you guys in the name of Jesus. Bethany, I declare the prophetic well that is in you is going to increase like never before. It was at the house of Bethany that Jesus visited six days. It is that place that the oil was broke over, broke open. And it was in that place that the fragrant oil of worship got all over that house. And so, Father, I just thank you for what is going on in the house of Bethany today, God. In the name of Jesus, I thank you for deep rivers and new levels in the name of the Lord God. I thank you for divine visitation in the name of the Lord God. I pray, God, over these young ones, over these young ones like Amber, God, Lord, that they would not get discouraged, but they would stay the track, God. In the name of Jesus, Lord, I bless them today. Father, I bless them today. Let the spirit of Asaph come, Lord, in a mighty way in, upon them, Lord. In the name of Jesus, let these Davidic worshipers, God, Lord, you said in Isaiah 22, 22, that I'll give you the key of David, and it opens doors that no man can open, and it shuts doors that no man can shut. God, let the key of David go into them in the mighty name of Jesus. Father, I pray, God, Lord, Lord, let Grant on the stringed instruments begin to prophesy. God, I pray, give him a heart like David in the name of Jesus. Father, I pray, God, over him today, God, just for a fresh passion to be renewed, God. Restore, God, restore passion, restore joy. Restore, God, in the name of the Lord, God. Don't let him waver to the right or to the left, God, but let him declare the word of the Lord upon the stringed instruments. God, I thank you for him, and I thank you for his faithfulness to this house. But Father, I'm asking for a greater measure of glory to be poured out on him like never before. In the name of Jesus, we declare the new sound of God. Today, we make a, we make a stake in the ground. Cornerstone, we make a stake in the ground and say the new sound has come today. How many believe that in this room? The new sound has come. It's here. I embrace it. 
I let go of the past. Man, for me, that is so difficult sometimes to let go of the past. But God's screaming to us, let go of the past. We honor the past. But today's a new day. Today's a new day. You are the builders. Isaiah 49 says that the builders shall come to you. And that those that have been away, they shall arise and come back. Isaiah 49 says, there's many coming back, I'm telling you, friend. You believe that, Steve? And the builders, you are the builders. You are. You are the builders. You are not here just to hear me preach. You are here to be activated and do what you do. Get in those mountains during the week and bring influence. God, let the prophetic word of the Lord flow from this house like never before. I'm just telling you, friend, I just believe that we are in some great days. I know that things are shaking, man. I'm telling you, I believe that God is going to just reform the South. Everything that needs to be broken is going to be broken. Y'all believe that? Terry, come pray and close us out. God, I bless you in the name of the Lord. Come pray and close us out. When you when you called out Amber, um, I googled your name. was thinking about the color amber but what came up was an amber alert and that's when somebody's missing a young person is missing and they will issue an amber alert we want to call you forth today you're not missing but you're found You're needed. We value you. And the Lord has looked and He scanned the earth and He has found Amber. And you are highly valued, Amber. And we need you in this house. We need you on the praise team. And do not be missing. Do not be MIA. You hear me? We need what's inside of you. You're valuable. You're important. And we issue an amber alert for you this day. You hear me? We issue an amber alert for you. And we say be found in this house. You be found. You practice. You, 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 you cry out to the Lord. You sing. 
because you have a sound that we need. You have a sound that this generation needs. And you felt, you have felt so obscure. that brown, the color amber, it just blends into the, into the wall. But you're not called to blend in. And God has not forgotten about your health condition. His desire is to heal you. He's not forgotten about you. the apple of his eye. You're like that diamond setting high up in that wedding ring that everybody just oohs and awes over. You're so special. You're so needed. And Father, we just thank you that every person in this house is like Amber, Father. And we send an Amber alert, Lord, for every person under the sound of my voice, Lord. We say we need you. We say if you've been missing, come home. We release the Holy Spirit to go and capture you. We say brood, Father, even as you brooded, Father, over the earth, you would brood, Lord, and you would declare, Holy Spirit, brood over this land, Father. Just brood over this land, God. And there would life would come. The oceans would be teeming, Lord, with fish, Lord. The animals were created as you brooded, Father. And we say, brood over the south, God. Brood over this land, O oh God. Create, O oh Father. We just say, Lord, send your Holy Spirit, God. Send your Holy Spirit, God. Let people see their value, Father, like never before, oh God. We thank you for that, God. There is not one person that's not of value, Lord. Every single person is needed, God. They have a gift. And we will not come in this house, God, complacent. Father, but we will come in. It's not Matt's fault, Father. And we repent, Father, as the body. Lord, we, we repent, Matt, to you. We repent, Matt, for not coming in with our hearts prepared. We repent, Father, I repent, Lord, that we would have our hearts prepared before we come in to engage, Father. It's not his job to pull the train, Lord. We should come in and just immediately connect, immediately connect and join, Father, with what you're doing, Lord. 
We thank you for an amazing day, God. We thank you for an incredible word, Lord. We love you, God. We love you, God. And when we leave here, Lord, we're not gonna just put this on a shelf, Lord. We're not gonna just put this word on a shelf and, Lord, act like we... We just went through another service, but we're going to activate it. We're going to, we're going to like an, a cat, cow, we're just going to chew that cud, Father. We're just going to chew that cud, and we're going to meditate on it, and we're going to let it roll over in our hearts, and we're going to turn on our worship day after day after day after day, and we're going to worship you, Lord, because what we do in the secret place is the most important thing that we can do, Lord. And we will worship you in our secret place, Father. We love you, Father. We love you, Lord God. You are the greatest daddy we've ever known. We love you, Lord. And we thank you, Father. And we bless these people. And we send them out, Lord, that they would be people that would just go out and change the world because of the love that you have in them for your son, Jesus. And they would know that they are loved with the same love that you had for your son, Jesus Christ, Father. That that's the love that you have for them. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. God bless you all. We'll see you next Sunday. We hope you enjoyed our message of the week. Thanks for joining us. Our passion at Cornerstone is our family atmosphere built on deep relationships. We want to connect with you. Please take a moment and download our app and connect with us on social media to stay updated with all things Cornerstone. We pray you have a wonderful week.